0: Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the Wednesday night American Liberties Call. Before we get started, I just want to bring people up to date about the tax court situation. Um, The respondent, which is the IRS, filed a motion for a summary judgment, and we responded to it. And then the court ordered upon consideration, it is ordered that this case is assigned to a special trial judge and solely for the purpose of disposing the respondents above reference motion for summary judgment. I like that, disposing, but that doesn't mean that they're going to, we'll see what happens, what it means but it takes a special judge you know a guy who comes in on a special bus i guess short bus anyhow uh with that being said um i'm going to go ahead and mute everybody out to stop any uh outside noise and there you are all muted as always please refrain from making any Chat statements about anything is not specifically relevant to uh the speaker and um don't you know and if you have questions, kind of you know cut and paste them you know write them in a text file or something like that, and kind of wait till we're getting close to the end, so we don't have to look all the way back up and everything, but with that being said uh on the phone, you just hit star eight. Uh, and raise and will raise your hand, and I will unmute you at the appropriate time. Again, we have uh, David Merlin, and if anybody's new on the call, Dave Merlin is. Uh, I you know to call him a, a researcher is not enough. Is um, he is phenomenal at the stu- at reading the Internal Revenue Code, what he has said many times, the 20 pounds of paper, uh, and getting out of it that nobody, nobody, even today, nobody sees. And when it's brought to the attention to the IRS and lawyers, accountants, not all accountants, many accountants agree with it, um, the IRS runs from it. They they want to keep it a secret. And of course, this is what we're uh, filing in South Carolina now. Uh, you know, we're getting tired of everything being kept a secret. We, you know, here is the interpretation. At least give me give me your interpretation to show that I'm mistaken. And and they they just won't do it. And so, Dave, why don't you go ahead and take it away?
1: Yeah. Hi, Chris. Thanks. And uh, all of that is despite the taxpayers' bill of rights on the IRS's own website. The first clause says uh, taxpayers have the right to know what they need to do to comply with the tax laws. They are entitled to clear explanations of the laws and the IRS procedures in all tax forms, instructions, publications, notices, and correspondence. Horse-pucky. You can't have it. And uh, that taxpayer bill of rights was written when nobody could prove that the IRS was breaking the law. Or they at least hadn't heard of me. I've been doing it since 1993. But the uh, uh, they're oblivious to the fact that some people have actually figured out that no, lo- uh, no tax is imposed on citizens of the United States, and that even if you were subject to the tax code, Section 83 provides that all property is a cost. Checkmate. You don't need other arguments. And when you think about it, <clears throat> you get into these other teachings, I should say at this point... Uh, My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. i prove it on a daily basis. You can go into the the tax code and fight with the IRS over very small things. Hey, I didn't get a due process hearing. Uh, Hey, you didn't issue that notice of deficiency before you levied my paycheck. Um, the statute of limitations has passed on uh, prosecution for that particular year because I filed the tax return that year. And you can fight over these little procedural points, the finer points when Chris said that uh, I, I can read tax statutes <clears throat> it immediately struck me that there's very few that I re- even have to read. But to find those several statutes I had to read literally hundreds of tax statutes, and to settle on these several statutes, I had to understand enough about the gravity of statute versus regulation, I had to understand enough about how regulations can't deviate from statute, and I had to understand enough about IRS procedures and how they contradict statutes to arrive at my conclusions that there are a couple of key arguments that you have to argue first. They're the biggest, the baddest, uh, the weightiest, if you will, arguments against what the IRS says is its authority. And so you don't hear me discussing the finer points of little things the IRS has to do, little things that you can't do, little things that you can do. I really focus on the big ones because when you focus on the little ones, you can tie up a lot of your time and still not be deemed uh, unwillful, which doesn't sound very artful. If you're willful, that means you have a legal duty, you know and believe you have the duty, and you fail to perform the duty. Tax evasion, willful failure to file. But if... You understand a couple of arguments, the big ones, the biggest arguments. You don't need to uh, to really spread yourself thinly over a whole bunch of different arguments about what they can and can't do, when they can do it, when they can't do it. <clears throat> uh, you concentrate more on whether or not they have the authority to even speak to you. And, of course, that's a much bigger argument than, oh, it's too late, you can't file that notice on me. Or uh, I closed the bank account before you got to it. These little things that come along, I concentrate on the big ones that prove they shouldn't even have been talking
2: to us in the first place. And, uh, I mean, I read probably over... 1,500, maybe
1: 2,000 Supreme Court and federal appellate cases before I really finalized my uh, treatise in 1994. And since then, I've only read a couple thousand more cases. So uh, the first three or four years I was studying, uh, I was heavily into case law, learning from judges about how to settle a Uh, an argument over the language of a statute. That was my focus, especially tax statutes. And from that, I learned that uh, when statute says something and it protects you, you're entitled to those protections. And if they don't give you those protections and it costs you property, it's crime. And if you keep that equation in your head, uh, it solves a lot of the questions that people still have despite the fact my work has been available for well over 20 years. So, I just concentrate on a couple of big arguments, uh, ones that really impact the IRS. And for anybody that's on the call, if you're thinking of uh, ditching the call, it's not your cup of tea, remember, um, today's call is recorded here on eight seven four eight eight american Liberties. And I have an archive of calls at 59615, no confidence, 59615, uh, where I don't record every call, I just record the calls where I want to uh, teach a particular lesson, or it's a, an interview where I've appeared on somebody else's radio show, and further back in the archive you'll find a bunch of radio shows that I did uh, when I had shows. <laughs> So uh, if you can't hang around today, you got something else you want to do, uh, remember the archive here. Um, We're discussing this topic constantly because things are warming up. On the call, we have R. Boggs, 57. He's the lead plaintiff in South Carolina in a lawsuit that was just filed. If you want a copy of that lawsuit, be sure to email Chris. Put your uh, email in the chat there, Chris, AmericanLiberties.LLC at gmail.com. And uh, you can email Chris and he'll send you out a copy of the South Carolina first amended complaint to show you the, uh, the way the IRS is being sued. It was filed on
2: April 15th, just a couple of weeks ago. And its main thrust is at the fact that the government
1: refuses to put on record its own interpretation of Section 83, After ruling in several appellate cases in um, the uh, uh, tax court and the IRS assistant chief counsel, all of them say that Section 83 explains how to tax compensation. Uh, It applies to all compensation for services. And if that's the case, everybody has to comply with it. It's a law. And uh, I don't have a choice, you don't have a choice, nobody has a choice. You have to comply with it. If it screws me, I'm screwed. But if it protects me, I want those protections. And so in this lawsuit, uh, in light of the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights that says you have a, you're entitled to a clear explanation of the law, excuse me, but we've been hitting them with Section 83 since 1993, and they refused. Only in one case did they articulate a reason why, in their assessment, uh, Section 83 does not operate to include all property in cost. They said you didn't buy your labor before you sold your labor, and so you don't have a cost in your labor. We can't consider it cost because you didn't buy it before you sold it. And the um, the challenge is under a particular regulation under Section 83. 83 says only the excess over the amount paid is gross income. And the uh, amount paid is defined as the value of any money or property. Where's your authority to exclude labor from the term any money or property? They don't have a law that allows them to do that. So, all property is cost under Section 83, but labor is not cost under this policy where they say you didn't buy your labor before you sold it. But as you'll see on wevgov.com <coughs> on the federal income taxation page, the bottom third of the page is about tax code Section 83, and you'll see a boatload of federal appellate case law district court decisions, and Supreme Court decisions that say when the law says any, it means everything. Any is all-inclusive. So in the 90s, I didn't have a host of case law to that effect. I didn't feel I needed to teach the government how to read the term any, but now I do, and the only way they escaped Section 83 in the past was to say we exclude labor from costs because you didn't buy your labor before you sold it. And the challenge was where's your authority to exclude labor from any money or property? They would never identify a regulation or statute that allows for that, and they'd penalize people for asking. It's the only way the government found uh, to escape Section 83's uh, plain language. And now I have all that case law that shows the only way out for them was a false way. They have to misinterpret the term any property to dispose of the argument. Checkmate. And they can't even talk about whether or not Regulation 26 CFR 1.1-1 deviates from Section 1 of the tax code. Section 1 is the graduated income tax which doesn't mention anybody's citizenship and yet the regulation written to implement it said citizens of the United States owe this tax. You can't do that. The 16th amendment says Congress can land collect this tax. It has to be a statute. The whole of section number one of the tax code is on the federal income taxation page of wevygov.com, And you'll see in that statute Capital gains, married individual, finally jointly, separately, head of household, surviving spouse, single individual, trusts, and nowhere does it mention anybody's citizenship, and the regulation does, and so you can't do that. That's the argument that the- uh the tax is imposed by a regulation only it deviates from statute. And so all this was thrown against the wall in the South Dakota lawsuit filed May 15th, uh, May 20th of last year. And, uh, it was dismissed as predicted. The law was find a reason. You can't have review. So I simplified the claims and only raised three claims instead of eight. And a new suit was filed in South Carolina. So, uh... Now it's a matter of uh, they keep the law a secret when they said we're entitled to a clear explanation of the law. There. I'm not arguing statute. I'm not arguing labor is property. I'm arguing that because they keep the law a secret, I can't file a tax return under penalties of perjury, and so they're going to penalize me. And so they use secrecy to gain penalties against me and interest. They make money off of not giving me a clear explanation of the law. There's a penalty for not filing on time. You might even be indicted. And they impose interest on any amounts due. When I could have filed a tax return if they just disclosed the operation of the law. They refuse. So that's the main thrust of the lawsuit in South Carolina. Again email chris at americanliberties.llc at gmail.com. Americanliberties.llc at gmail.com, and he'll send you out a copy of the South Carolina lawsuit. A very simple matter. Now, uh, some good news, uh, for my purposes anyway. Um, People that are enthusiastic about my teachings We'll also find this uh, to be very good news. Two new products. I have. Uh, I've mentioned it before that I've written over 140 statutes that I'd like to see on the books. Uh, a wide, a wide variety of statutes, very wide. When I see a problem, I think about it and think about how to solve that problem and I would write a statute that requires that certain things, uh, certain rules be enforced to solve the problem. And I found that work in Microsoft Word and PDF. And it
2: soon will be made
1: available in hard copy. So my collection of initiatives, proposed. Statutes. Statutes, I think, should be uh, enacted into law. An example that I gave Chris earlier when I told him that I found this product on a certain hard drive um, I saw one day the uh, public defender, the prosecutor, and the judge from a municipal court enjoying a smoke in the parking lot and laughing it up together in a social. Conversation, And to me, uh, that only speaks of peril. So I wrote a statute that makes it a Class C felony for any judge to associate with any attorney unless in every court where that judge practices,
2: that attorney has filed a waiver of rights to practice. Problem solved.
1: Uh, and that 's just one example, like I said uh I wrote a state law that makes uh labor a cost. It provides that the fair market value of personal services received it, received as compensation shall never be included in gross income and is not profit in any form or nature. It is always to be considered cost uh there's another statute that says the the right of public vehicular travel shall never never be deemed to be a uh licensable activity or a privilege granted by the state. Just wonderful expressions of due process, uh protections of property and privacy, and personal sovereignty across the board. So uh keep an eye out for that publication. Uh we're gonna go get an ISBN number put on it. I'll craft a uh a cover for it, and you're going to like the cover. You know, on the uh, public vehicular travel booklet available on the products page on wevgov.com, there's a picture from the Rodney King traffic stop beating, and uh, I've already got a a picture in mind for the cover of uh, this book on um, initiatives. The book is called No Confidence. And you're going to want to pick that up because once you've gone through this, not that you're going to pick up the statutes that I wrote necessarily, but you'll see that when I perceived a particular problem, here's the statute I wrote that cures the problem. If you've got people in your state that are uh, peeved about a particular uh, behavior on the part of public servants, and they really like a change. You know, they're out there picketing the courthouse. Uh, why don't you all sit down together and think of how to solve that problem with a statute? And you got all my examples to show how I would write a statute. And you figure out what you want to say in the statute. Write it down. And then uh, try to go out there and get donors to get all your petitions signed and uh, get your bill on the ballot, all the publicity and everything. You're going to need a quarter million to a half a million dollars. Now, bear with me here. I'm going to look on the web for a particular website and see if they're still in business.
2: Uh, Ballot.org. Ballot.org
1: would be a good source of information
2: if uh,
1: you wanted to pursue getting a particular initiative, referendum, whatever your state offers, uh, on the record in the uh, fall elections. It's a, of course, it's too late this year to do anything about something, but uh, in any future elections, uh, get a group together that wants to make it easier to get things on the ballot, and uh, get the citizen's voice heard through referendums and uh, and initiatives. So anyway, I'm pretty proud of this particular work. Um, there's got to be in the neighborhood of 140 statutes in that book. And, uh, you know, let me see
2: here. I'm going to try to... Uh, I'm going to find that publication. And uh let's see, could not be found. Eat turkey. And I'm gonna pick out
1: a particular regulation or a particular initiative uh, just for kicks as an example
2: of uh what you're gonna find in this book. Let's see here. Uh included in the book is my New tax code,
1: written many years ago. Um, I figured out so much about the tax code, I figured, you know, let's we ought to reduce the size of the tax code, because it, it really does boil down to only several
2: statutes. And so I wrote a simplified tax code, 60 paragraphs long. Uh, eight different chapters, 60 paragraphs long. So uh,
1: it'll be uh, the people that know a lot about my primary arguments, uh, when you look at that, you'll understand right off the mark the translation of the existing tax code. Uh, Notice of infraction, summary dismissal. Any notice of infraction issued for violations of, and then I list several, Statutes in the Revised Code of Washington Motor Vehicle, which have to do with failure to obtain insurance registration. It's not about rules of the road. I want safe roadways, but they beat up poor people with the Motor Vehicle Code and the fines. And this is about reducing the burden of the Motor Vehicle Code on poor people. Notice of infraction, summary dismissal. Any notice of infraction issued for these violations shall be dismissed with prejudice if within 15 days of the issuance of such a notice of infraction, excluding Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays, the party defendant thereto furnishes competent proof to the reviewing court that the grounds for the issuance of the notice of infraction no longer exist. Wow, so if within 15 days you prove that you got insurance or that you got registration or went and got a driver's license, and you provide proof to the court, summary dismissal. You know, they have to dismiss. (coughs) Uh, Deferred sentencing shall not be available for those violations. You either can prove that you satisfied the requirements and you can't get a deferred prosecution, but you got two weeks to fix fix the problem. Let's see here. I'm going to try to find a a short statute. The first one in the book, the very first one, is a statute, an initiative, that makes it way easier to get initiatives on the ballot. It's a tough process to get an initiative on the ballot, and the first uh, initiative in the book says that... uh, one high school in every county shall put aside one weekend per year for an initiatives mall where everybody that has an initiative can set up a booth in the gymnasium and all the parents know that they can come everybody in the community knows they can go to the high school and they can see all of the initiatives that are going to be on the ballot all in one place they can sign their petitions there in one place instead of having to go to the right grocery store that happens to have a stack of the petitions on the counter, whatever. It's not always possible to find somebody that has a petition you can sign to help the thing get on the ballot. Um, let's see. Defective complaint or information. Summary dismissal. Every civil notice of infraction or criminal complaint or information issued or filed for misdemeanor or lesser offenses under the Motor Vehicle Code, which is deemed to be defective in a degree which requires amendment in any way, shall be summarily and expeditiously dismissed with prejudice. Any violation of this section constitutes an act of official misconduct as defined by 9A.80.010 and shall be actionable. That's a gross misdemeanor, official misconduct on the part of the judge. So I throw my weight around with the uh, with the criminal code in these statutes. Vehicle impound limitations. Driving a motor vehicle without a valid operator's license and without acceptable identification as defined by a certain state law for the purposes of this title shall constitute a civil infraction for which a notice of infraction shall issue. Accordingly 46.55.113 parentheses seven which provides for impound authority under such circumstance is hereby repealed. Meaning they can't can't impound your car for driving without a license. Uh, Any and all provisions in conflict herewith are hereby repealed only to such extent. What extent? The extent to which they are in conflict with that brand new initiative. Uh, This one I like. Stationary cameras, automated enforcement, officers' presence when required. And it doesn't abolish altogether the red-light cameras, but it limits the number of cameras the municipality can put into action. They can't employ more than six cameras in the entire county or the entire city, whatever. And for your purposes, you can do what you want with that statute if you wanted it enacted. But we know you know, I know everybody knows it's strictly a um a money making proposal to enforce the traffic code with red light cameras so anyway, uh, as you go through here, there's just a ton of uh initiatives on a bunch of different topics a prohibition against face recognition software being used by any by the state or municipality, um, uh, body language recognition, X-ray technology, like uh, if if you just you know they got it cost a quarter million dollars way back when to get a digital scanner for palm prints and fingerprints. Well, if your municipality can spend a quarter million dollars on a digital print of your fingers. <coughs> you know they're sharing it with the Fed and you know they got way too much of your money. And uh, there's software that they can use uh, for video footage taken at casinos, football games, where they go through the crowd and the computer is automatically picking out faces and finding a match for them saying, here's the guy that has a warrant out for him. And uh Here's a guy that's on parole, and here he is gambling in this casino. Then you got the uh, cameras beside the road that read license plates so they know everywhere you go. You got to get an initiative against self driving cars, driverless cars. You don't want that. You'll be getting speeding tickets in the mail because they know you went between this camera beside the road and this camera beside the road in an amount of time that means you had to have been traveling X number of miles an hour. hour. And so they beat you simply by tracking everywhere you go and how long it took to get there. Here comes your ticket. So you can't permit driverless, driverless cars. And I haven't even heard of anybody mounting a challenge to allowing driverless cars in their state. Then they're going to tax you by the mile. They know how far you went. They know how long it took you to get there. They know how many miles it is. And so they'll be able to bill you through the mail. And if you don't pay it, they'll come and start seizing property. Levy your paycheck. When you never owed a tax on your use of the highways to begin with. So the, the money they make is being used against us with uh, every emerging technology that, that occurs every way they can possibly think of dinging you for more money when you never owed a penny. And if you don't pick up the sword and swing it, uh, you lose. So this book of initiatives is me looking at the system, looking at abuses, talking to victims, and thinking to myself, you know, I could probably devise a law that would correct that problem. And when you read this book, you'll see I was really busy on it for a couple of years, uh, thinking up a law to prohibit certain things, and i write that law down and go over it and go over it and, and refine it to where it's in statutory shape. So you're going to like this book. It's called No Confidence, a great desk reference on what you might do to solve problems at a state level. You can't expect the government to do it. They're the ones using the technology against you. And for anybody that says, well, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, excuse me, that doesn't mean we can't put the genie on the shelf right beside the bottle and never let it down. We're not helpless. And so I wrote a law to cure this problem. I wrote a law to cure that problem. And you go down a list of things in that book, you're going to be amazed at, the plain solutions that really are viable for so many of the most common problems.
2: Real problems, not just make-believe. Let's see. Here's the one on uh, gross income exclusion. This is
1: for a state. And yes, uh, some of this is written particularly for Washington state Uh, Motor Vehicle Code, but a lot of it can be translated to your state. Uh, When you get out of the provisions relating to the Motor Vehicle Code, um, it doesn't take a lot of translation. It's good for any state. Gross income exclusion. For the purposes of any income tax imposed in this state, the fair market value of personal services as determined through the terms of an arm's length transaction is not to be construed to constitute gross income or profit of any nature, but rather shall at all times be deemed to be a cost to the service provider and, as such, shall be excluded from amounts to be taxed or treated as gross income or profit. End of statute. That easy. Wham! And if they say, well, you're you're limiting the authority of the uh, state to impose a tax, no, I'm not. It's already limited. It's based on federal liability. This is already the law. We're just spelling it out for you. You've always been stealing, servant breath. But listen, how simple that statute is, and how many slaves I can free in one little paragraph. So uh, keep your eye out uh, for no confidence. The book of book of citizens' initiatives and. Uh, Uh, I know you're going to like it, just home run after home run after home run. I also, on the same hard drive, uh, it's a backup that uh, I didn't know existed. I thought all this property was lost to me, but I also have the attorney's version of my health care bill course on how to challenge the health care bill in ways that have not been used yet. You have the state's rights challenge uh, saying that, hey, we're a sovereign state. You can't come in here and boss people around. And uh, the uh, Justice Roberts Supreme Court said, well, it's a tax. And we can tax you. So uh, we can do this. Then you have the challenge recently decided where uh, uh, subsidies are only available if you bought your Insurance on a state exchange. Well, a bunch of states didn't set up their own exchanges. And people on the federal exchanges were getting subsidies from the IRS. And the Supreme Court said, well, the law says on state exchanges, but Congress really intended it to say state or federal exchanges. So we're going to read or federal into the statute. Uh, But none of those are challenges based on individual rights. And when you make challenges based on individual rights, suddenly they can't compel you to spend money with a private industry, they can't compel you to associate with a private company, and they can't compel you to form a contract. Checkmate. There goes the individual mandate. And since I'm exercising a right, I'm exercising three rights, when I don't buy health insurance, you can't impose the penalty the tax they already said it's a tax you can't impose a tax on my exercise of a constitutional right murdoch versus pennsylvania 89 cases cite murdoch versus pennsylvania in the supreme court and all of those cases are included in the course i already went through all of them and bolded and italicized the pertinent parts and so it's a quick study on a general principle that you can't tax or prohibit or license the exercise of a right. So uh, those two products, the health care bill, attorneys, uh, uh, I call it the attorney's version or attorney edition because there's actually a brief of these arguments against the health care bill already written for the attorneys. So don't file it pro se. You know, we know what the judges do to pro se litigants, but um, it's uh, it's an entire course in one place where uh leaves no question unanswered and it even includes a memorandum uh, to the best of my abilities to bring these challenges to the fore against the individual mandate. Now, also in the health care bill, if you make, and I don't know what the final form of this statute was, I've seen a couple different versions of it, but something to the tune of if you make $200,000 in gross income or as a couple, if you make $400,000 in gross income in a particular year, you owe a 5% excise tax an additional Obama tax. But the statute says if you make X number of dollars in gross income, how does Section 83 operate in your conclusion that my salary or wages is gross income? So there's a challenge to that 5% excise tax just waiting to be had. Secondly, it's an excise tax on the proceeds of the right to contract. You can't tax me on a right. Uh, It's just amazing. Uh, The health care bill still has huge vulnerabilities that nobody's uh, really um, focused upon for a challenge in court. And understand it'll have to go all the way to the Supreme Court. It should be uh, argued or prosecuted strictly by an accomplished attorney. But I imagine that AT&T said to be the biggest loser under Obamacare. I'll bet you they have attorneys that can do this. <clears throat> uh, I hope to have both of these uh, finalized by the middle of next week, guest four. And uh, now, on wevgov.com, if we don't have your order by Sunday, through the mail, you cannot have the April special that's on the uh, publications or uh, the materials page of wevygov.com. So get your money in the mail to Chris right away or email him and he'll get together with you and arrange a PayPal transaction or whatever. But we have to get your order in this week to give you the April special. And that special is a $40 price tag on every product there on wevgov.com. So the $125 flash drive course, like uh, drive-by litigation or criminal intent, $40. But you have to arrange payment right away or get a postmark on that envelope and send cash, personal check, or preferably a money order to Chris at the address you find on the products page on wevgov.com. And the lawsuit. Uh, Chris and I, still we have yet to conference call with the lead plaintiffs on the South Carolina lawsuit, but when we do, we're going to confirm that they've gotten their uh, affidavits of signature mailed to the court and to the uh, government so that they're on record as lead plaintiffs. Then we can help others join the lawsuit. And you're going to like the simplified claims in the lawsuit. If you want a copy of the lawsuit, email Chris at AmericanLiberties.llc at gmail.com, and he'll send you a PDF uh, right off of the court's records. You'll see the court time and date stamp at the top of the page with a case number on every page. It comes right off of the court's database, and you'll see uh, how really a very simple, basic lawsuit can really cause a lot of problems. I really like the way these claims are stated and uh, the direction of focus for the uh, the
0: plaintiffs in the lawsuit.
1: Well, Chris, let's open it up for question and answer.
0: Okay, does anybody have, a see, there's been some questions, okay, uh, okay, all the questions been answered on the chat, and anybody on the phone, just raise your hand all right and I will unmute you how many courses are there in total many (laughs) just go to wevgov.com and you'll see what's there and stay tuned for what's coming I can't give you a count right right off the cap um Okay, any other questions, comments, or statements?
2: Uh, For guest four, you sound like somebody that's new to the call. Am I right, guest four? Uh, For anybody new to the call, um, okay. uh,
1: I have a very particular history uh, regarding what i 've studied and what I teach, and the the main focal point has been on remedy i 'm not going to tell you a bunch of stuff you don 't need to know and i 'm not going to tell you a bunch of the finer points of the uh, rules of evidence or court rules <clears throat> and all that stuff there's a whole there 's a million little things to know there 's a few enormous things that once you know them you'll find a lot of times you don't get bogged down in the little stuff because the government doesn't want to talk to you anymore. And that's uh, that's progress. Guest 22, you email Chris. Get his email address. Um, and uh, these courses are beamed at uh, making you a monster. The people that I've seen pick up my work and use it, really use it are the people that have the best things to say about their encounters with government. Uh, the abuses of enforcement that are so typically encountered, really, anytime you deal with a cop, a state taxing agent, or an IRS agent, county sheriffs, the most frequent of contact uh, can be really kept to a minimum or how abrasive or accusatory the public servant wants to be toward you. And that's what I focus on, is getting you away from the public servant without having to pay a fine or file a form, whatever you can do to limit your interactions with government. A cop pulled me over one day. I avoided the cop. I'll be honest. I drove through an intersection, Uh, which is pretty far out in farm country, and I noticed as I went through the intersection, it was a two-way stop. The road on the right and the road on the left had to stop for the highway that I was on, and I looked to the right, and up this road toward me on the right-hand side was a county sheriff, and so uh, he had his blinker on, and so up the road a couple miles, I took a left-hand turn up a wooded driveway and I waited five minutes came back down onto the road and went on my way and here he was up the road waiting for me and pulled me over and uh he comes up to the window of the car I said is something wrong officer he goes yeah you avoided me I said who wouldn't avoid you look at you what law did I violate when I avoided you I was driving with an expired trip permit no license plates no license, no registration, and no insurance, and I was free to go. He just turned me loose. Who wouldn't avoid you? Look at you. That's the first thing I said to him. Or second thing I said.
2: Something wrong, officer? Yeah, you avoided me. Well, who wouldn't avoid you? Look at you. (laughs) And when you know enough,
1: you can get right down to the bottom of their authority in a heartbeat and impress them that you're nobody they want to face when they're called to the witness stand in your traffic court hearing. So, uh, learn more about the law, and uh, you'll find that uh, the law protects you in so many ways. I can't, you know, I'll show you the big ones. You're going to find a bunch of little ones, too, but really... It's it's amazing when you know how to write and file citizens criminal complaints uh, against the judge specifically they don't want you in there unless you're committing crimes because every time you're in there you're writing criminal complaints against the judges so get the course on how to write and file citizens criminal complaints get the course called drive by litigation great courses tons of documents in Microsoft Word, so that if you were so inclined, you could amend my criminal complaints, and here's how you do it. You look at a particular paragraph and you say, what is Dave trying to accomplish with this paragraph? And then you look at your case and say, I want to accomplish the same thing for my case, so what amendments do I have to make to this paragraph? And you go through the document that way. And there's hours and hours of audio instruction about those documents in the courses. So really, uh, it starts with knowledge of the law, and the more you have, uh, the harder it is for them to choke you down. I don't know if anybody's seen on the web that uh, you can find it uh, on the web where a, a big anaconda or a boa, boa constrictor swallow a porcupine. And uh, the porcupine died when he was eaten, but the snake died later. And uh, you have to impress government with the fact that that's what you are. Don't try to swallow this one. It's just bad news. Bad, it'll never go away. You'll never get that smell out of the courthouse. A, a citizen has been here. A real American has been here. So, and if you listen to my archive on 59615 uh somewhere in there there's a an interview with Craig Patterson who went to court with one of my students uh well actually he wasn't a student he was more of a client down in uh uh San Mateo County, California and uh he was just getting railroaded in a particular municipal court action he was a tattoo parlor owner they were trying to run out of town and uh they arrested him one day for contempt of court, and they did it wrongly. They, they broke the rules when they did it, and that's all I needed. And you'll find a, a description of the documents that I wrote in three days. And the following week, uh, his case was dismissed. They didn't want any more to do with him after the state and federal criminal complaints were filed and in a very particular sequence and Craig Patterson was in court that day and he said I didn't just stun the judge I stunned the system the law hadn't been in that courtroom for years and with what I was able to say in those criminal complaints it shocked everybody when they walked into court the 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 sound level dropped about 75 or 80% everybody was talking before that But as soon as he and this client walked into the court, everybody stopped talking because everybody knew these are the guys that filed a criminal complaint for kidnapping against the judge. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Anyway, just hilarious what I was able to do with my own teachings to a judge that was out of control. Uh, Hey, Oakley, why don't we give Oakley a minute here on the phone, Chris?
0: All right. Go ahead, Oakley.
3: Hi Chappy, hi David. How are you guys tonight? Good. This is good. Kevin in Denver, Colin.
0: Oh, good. Kevin, how are
3: you? Doing? <laughs> good. How are you guys? Good. I think you answered my question, uh David. I know, you know what your specialty is, but what I'm looking to do is I want to go after my local municipality here for filing notice of federal tax liens on my property. Would this drive by litigation would that be the program that I would want to study to be able to do that?
1: yeah, but only if you already know or are comfortable with writing your own criminal complaints i'm so not if i if I were you, I'd get the course on how to write and file citizens' criminal complaints and the drive by litigation course now, in the drive by litigation course, one of the lessons is called. Denver Police Brutality. How ironic. And for that client, uh, there were already several criminal complaints that I wrote for that guy in his Denver trial, and it already cites a whole bunch of different Denver statutes, so it's kind of a shortcut into your criminal code there in Colorado uh, to have that uh, particular, you know, there's like 10 different clients. And I went in and I took their name off of all the paperwork and put Joe Lunchbucket down. And you'll get a look at a bunch of different people litigating in different states or in federal actions. And uh, I think it's in, uh, if you got a second, let me confirm that it's in the drive-by litigation course. Sure. (laughs) It it might be in the criminal
3: complaint course. So uh, let's
2: see here.
3: Let me ask you this while you're researching that, Dave. I mean, I know you've been doing this for years, and in my opinion. You're a genius at what you do. But the average layman who doesn't have a lot of experience doing this, how long does it take to get your head around this and really have a good understanding of it and be able to write you know, a criminal complaint and, and follow through on something um, with, with your particular municipality?
2: The
1: first thing to overcome is a uh, lack of confidence. Uh, have confidence in the law. Man, the law protects you like you wouldn't believe. And uh, once you're confident in the fact that uh, public servants hate it when you identify that they violated a criminal statute, oh, they hate that. I mean, they hate that. This uh, Denver course, the Denver client is in the um, uh, drive-by litigation course. Okay. And um, just a second, just a second. Um, and course number three, criminal complaints. Um, when they know all you're looking for is a violation of the criminal code, they don't want anybody looking at them through that prism. They hate that. It's it's one thing to sit there and uh, and the cop knows that you don't know the law well enough to tell that he's breaking the law in 99% of the ways he breaks the law. But when you can identify all the ways they break the law and the laws that they violate when they, when they break their own protocol, that's when they really don't want you around. And uh, I could tell for years in a particular town I lived in that somebody had told the cops, leave me alone. They knew I was driving without registration, insurance, or a license or license plate for years. And it was because I filed criminal complaints against judges every time I went into court. Uh, you, can't, you don't know what the prosecutor's job is until you know what the cop's judge uh, job is. And you don't know whether the prosecutor is being protected by the judge until you know the judge's job. But once you know the judge's job, you're not going to waste time on the cop and the prosecutor. The first person I want in trouble is the judge. They hate that. And so I climb the ladder to get the judge at the top of the ladder first. That's the one I really want to get in trouble. And when you, when you snipe at them like that, they don't want you in court. And uh, it's, it's nothing tricky. It's just knowledge. But once you have the knowledge, I studied why cases get dismissed. And when you know why cases get dismissed, excuse me, was this a constitutional violation? Yeah, ineffective counsel. Or um, they cited somebody that wasn't subject to the law or something. Well, don't forget that when they act in that way and gang up on you and the law does not support them, they're presumed to know the law. And everybody goes, yay, I got my case dismissed. I don't cheer about getting a case dismissed. I want to file a criminal complaint for the criminal stats, the crimes that were committed in their pursuit of the wrongful conviction. That's what really rings the bell, because you, the prosecutor, walks away going, "Well, the case was dismissed. So what? I'll get the next guy." But if you file criminal complaints, the prosecutor's walking away saying, "I need a martini," <laughs> and that's a that's a victory. So. The learning curve first, you have to be confident in the law. If you look at why cases get dismissed, then you know that if a case is going a certain way, keep pushing the case in that direction to where dismissal is assured. But if they know it should be dismissed and they don't do it, never forget. The next question you ask is, which crimes did they commit? And you go and you file a criminal complaint for those crimes. their conduct after they face a criminal complaint is going to convince you that you're doing the right thing. I didn't get any respect until I started filing criminal complaints against public servants. But as soon as I did, it was different for me in court. They didn't want to see me, didn't want to talk to me, and left me alone for the little stuff. So uh, confidence in the confidence in the law first and an understanding that there are cases that get dismissed most of them are handled by attorneys it's hard to find a pro se living it getting a case dismissed uh, but then thereafter you look at the way I go after them with criminal complaints based on their violations that really should lead to a case getting dismissed and I'll help it get dismissed by filing criminal complaint. go ahead
3: well you know you hear a lot of things on you know people talking nowadays and they'll say well when you and I I get where you're going. You're following the law, so, but you hear, well, you're just a paper terrorist following, filing all these documents with us, and on and on. Um, I would think because you're following the law and doing, you know, what the law says, there's no backlash from the government back at you for doing. I mean, basically, you're protecting your rights. But have you heard stories of any backlash, them coming after you even more so because you're doing this?
1: Are the Kennedys gun shy?
3: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. If someone calls me a paper terrorist in person, okay, they'll do it on paper. And I would still remind them. But it would be great to be able to remind them in person. Right. Paper terrorists, I'm arguing the law. You're calling me a paper terrorist, you're obviously in a conspiracy with somebody to deprive me of my rights. Because nothing in what I said was based on anything but law. A conspiracy against my rights is a federal felony, 18 U.S.C. 241. You take back what you just said to me, or I'm going to arrest you, because I can arrest a felon.
0: Checkmate.
3: Love it. Love it. I love your attitude. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, You're certainly welcome.
0: I want to add something. This morning, uh, Dr. Graves called me of uh, jurisdictionary, and we got to talking. And he says, Chris, how often do you show tell people to go to a uh, jurisdiction area? And I and I had to tell him, I said, Not often. I said, Not often enough because uh, your question there, uh, Kevin is, you know, he goes through a weekend you know for the course, a weekend you can uh learn a lot and as i was listening to him it reminds you know boy if i could get him and dave together it'd be powerful but i think he's he's 70 years old and and i think he just wants to sell courses but the thing of it is he goes through a thing how to write a complaint what not to add what what to add what to look for and I mean, it's just, it's over a weekend course and it's very well done. It's got videos, it's got samples, it's got a lot of explanation. And the, uh, uh, the point I wanted to make, I, I gotta keep my thought here. Um, uh, Anyhow, if you're interested I can send you the link where you can sign up and get the course and I think it's well worth the time. And oh, because he gave he gave an analogy when um Parks, the black woman, I can't think of her first name, um uh, we got on Rosa the, Uh Rosa Parks got on the bus and he said you know and and i said i have to admire her and he says well you can admire her but i admire the one who wrote the law because he was straight on point he was very specific and he, and almost sounded like i was talking to dave i mean you know and 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 he said he went into the court and and he argued the the law uh precisely now change that to roe versus wade if, if, if you go in the middle half about the decision, the Supreme Court even said that the court did not have to go this way, but because they argued this way, this is you know this is the way our, we're going to find this. And I've heard that many times over the years that the lawyers who who were uh, were fighting it were a bunch of dumbo's. They didn't. They didn't argue. They didn't bring up the right cases. They didn't bring up the right law, and they didn't make the right argument. So the point being, stay focused on the statutes. Find the law that they're uh, that they're committing. You know, the 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 law that that they're violating the statutes on. Because uh, as I've said many times before. I can prove what they can't prove, and I can prove it. And these are the crimes that they are committing because of that.
2: Good point.
0: First time for Chris. Yeah. Every now and then I make a good point.
3: <laughs> yeah, blind, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while, right, gentlemen? That's
0: right. <laughs> Yep.
2: Well, let's wrap it up, Chris.
0: Okay. Well, um, well, hold on, uh, Kevin. You want that link to, to to look at the course?
3: I'm sorry, uh, Chappy. You cut out on me.
0: Uh, do you want that link to oh, look actually, at the I'm course? Well,
3: actually, I'm on his. I'm on his email. I get stuff from him, so I just need to. I need to order it and force myself to sit down and, and go through it. So, but thank you. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, if you order it from me, I get a little commission. set Oh. Well, then I will do that. Okay. Um, Not that I'm greedy, but I want the money. Okay. Um, I'm going to mute you out. Okay. Is there any other questions, comments, or statements that – oh, here's Central Colorado. Okay. Go ahead, Central Colorado. Hello,
4: Chris and Dave. This is Roger from uh, Colorado.
0: Hey, Roger. Hi. Roger.
4: uh, Hello. I was going to say two things. One, uh, go ahead and send me the link on the jurisdictionary. I mean, if I'm going to purchase it, you guys may as well get the uh, the the spiff on it than somebody else. And uh, secondly, I just want to you know commend Dave for the way he clearly puts, a, you know, comes across with the points that he makes. You know, Section 1 imposes Income Tax. They don't mention a citizen. The IRS is the first people to mention a citizen and his four-hour course on the law where he's on the whiteboard and just lays it out line by line statute and regulation is just awesome. And I strongly suggest that anybody who uh, has an interest in learning more about the Internal Revenue Code purchase that uh, course where he just puts everything on the whiteboard.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, right now, there's another host on the call, Ed. Uh, He has something to add. I take it you're on the phone, too, Ed. Um, If we can get him in here real quick.
0: Oh, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't see an Ed raising their hands. Okay, thank you, Roger. I'll get that to you. All right, thank you. Thanks for your kind words. All right. um, No, I don't see him on the phone.
2: He's on the computer, though. What have you got to say, Ed? Ed, Clan of Chatton. Standing by. Oh,
0: I see him on there. Yeah, he's on the computer. Ed, if you can get on the phone, I can unmute you.
2: And of course, we'd like to hear what you have to say yeah so uh my focus in these in these courses is on making the public service as uncomfortable
1: as possible if you're innocent. I really don't have much for guilty people um there's plenty of innocent people to help that I've never really had to deviate from helping innocent people to, you know, keep the lights on. But I'll tell you what, for the stunts that government pulls so commonly, man, if you're innocent, you got all kinds of remedy, all kinds of things you could do to them. If they're after you for something and you're innocent and they know you're innocent, how is it not a uh, conspiracy against your rights? That's a federal felony, 18 U.S.C. 241. As soon as they do something like that, they're all subject to citizens' arrest. Go to the citizens' arrest page on wevgov.com, and all that great case law on the right to arrest a felon. It's probably in your uh, in your state law as well. So, uh, just observe that uh, there are a lot of tools laying all around you, just waiting for you to to understand it. There's a handle right here. If I pull that handle, a public servant falls through the chute down into the shark tank. Mm-hmm. And you learn how to operate those handles, and uh, uh, that's what I do.
0: Okay, here's Ed. Let me bring him in. Okay, go ahead, Ed.
5: Hello, Chappie. Hello, everybody.
0: How, how are you doing?
5: doing? Hi, Ed. I don't have much time to talk because I've got my own program coming up, but... Uh... I just wanted to drop this on you because there's a lot of folks in the call, and I know that a lot of the things that we do a lot of times are very confusing to a lot of folks. And if they want the shortcut to get to the the victory, okay, there is a way to do that. The attorneys have left uh, one hole, and it's something they had to do in order to do what they do. There's no way they can get around it because – They have to represent everybody in order to make money, and that's the the key thing. So the way that you can win your case, especially in those cases that are all commercial now, I'm talking about not not common law crimes, but commercial crimes, I don't care if it's drugs, I don't care what it is, whatever it is, uh, especially if it's a felony, uh, you can get out of it by doing it this way. Uh, people have done it in the past and been very successful with it, and the the concept is some, something that most people wouldn't even, you know, consider, I mean, they wouldn't even think about. You know, I talked to a guy that was a, a son of a judge and told him this, and he laughed and laughed and laughed, and he said, oh, my God, he said, he said, I never have thought of that in my life. And he said, I'm a the son of a judge. He said, I should have thought of that a long time ago. But see, it's so blatant, it's right in our face and we don't see it. But here's the way you do it. Uh, you don't do anything ahead of time in in your case. What you do is you go in in your case and you can do whatever you want to with your paperwork and all that kind of stuff. But but the point is, is that if you don't if you're not successful in um uh, having a victory with your paperwork and all that and they still run over you and you're still found guilty and so on and so forth, well, then this is your last-ditch chance at victory, and it will win, okay? Uh, attorneys represent clients in court. They, it, uh, it, they hold the power of attorney for every client. And so the, the way you handle it is you wait until you get to the end of your trial and you make sure nothing is said. This is important. Don't ever put any paperwork or nothing into the court uh, stating anything that you're going to do this. This is a surprise to, to, to the court, okay? And what you do is you wait until uh, to the point where you go into sentencing. And uh, you you when the judge uh, says, uh, will the defendant rise to accept the sentence, okay, or whatever they say. Whatever it is. It's voluntary, by the way. I want to, tell, to let you know that I, those sentences are voluntary, especially um, the ones that are um, commercial. Okay? All the commercial ones are voluntary. IRS, all of them are, are all commercial. And so uh, what you do is when he says that to the to you as a defendant, when he says it to you, uh, you say, hold on, Judge, just a minute. Let me... Uh, ask my attorney a question, and you ask the attorney this. You say, Mr. Attorney, at this point in time, are you representing me? And are you attorney of record? And he will say, yes, obviously. You know, if he's there. If he's there, he's going to say yes. But you want to put that on the record, see? And then Right after you do that, you can either you can write you a paper to this effect and file it with the court if you want to, but you don't file it until you don't give it to the judge or put it in the record until you do it. You do it at the time you're doing this, and then you turn around to the judge and you say, "Well, Judge, at this time, uh, I'm not prepared to accept the sentence, so I'm going to pass the sentence over to my attorney agent who is representing me in this court." And what will happen is the attorney will jump up and down, paw the ground. They may try to even intimidate you or whatever they try to do. But as long as you don't recant, and I don't care if they throw you in jail for contempt or whatever they do, as long as you don't recant, there's nowhere they can go because the attorney is you. In that courtroom, he is you. He is the defendant. And you are nobody. You're you're nothing but a, a um, an incompetent. Okay, and so you don't even need to be there, as a matter of fact. But the attorneys always make sure the defendant's there on, on at sentencing, for sure. You know, they always make you sure you're there. And the reason why is so that they don't have to accept the sentence for you, see? Because it wouldn't work for so well, right? So when after they get to pawing the ground and jumping up and down and beating the bushes, then you 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 uh, you ask the attorney, Have you regained your composure, Mr. Attorney? Um You know they really don 't have any choice but to dismiss the case now it 's not your attorney as the defendant's attorney it 's not not his position to dismiss the case. It is the prosecutor who has to dismiss the case because it 's his case. So you have to speak to the prosecutor and say, Mr Prosecutor, you need to get your fellow fraternity brother out of out of hot water here. Uh, so it's it's best that you just dismiss the case. I think you I think it would be best to just dismiss it because uh that's all you really can do and you know it, both of you know it and the court knows it. And so that's how you handle it. If you want that's your last ditch chance and that's an easy way for people who cannot do the complicated things that a lot of us do going into court to fight our battles. And it's and it's and it's something you, you it's an ace in the hole for you in case your paperwork don't work, see. And so it has worked for people. So anyway, am I still are y'all you guys still hearing me?
0: Yep, yep. It sounds interesting. I I've heard that before. I I um I don't know anybody that has uh, has done it, and uh, I sure like would to talk to somebody that has, you know, uh, has done it. Have, have you yourself done it? No,
5: I haven't done it. But but the next time I get a a, a ticket, you know, you, when you go to if you get a municipal ticket from a municipal city, you know, uh, you can't use an attorney right? And so uh, what you do is you go through the process and let them find you guilty or whatever, and then you appeal it uh, to the next court up on uh, trial to NOAA, they call it. You appeal it up, and then that's a court of record, so you want to go to the court of record. And then when you get in the court of record, you demand uh, an attorney uh, before you move forward in the case. No matter what kind of case you have, you demand an attorney because you have a right to that, see? Right, and 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 they'll probably give you a pro assistant prosecuting attorney like they did me. I had a case one time. They gave me assistant prosecuting attorney that was he claimed that he used to work for the attorney uh, the prosecutor's office, but but later on I found out he still was, and so he lied to me. You know, he didn't tell me the truth. But but it's it's realize, folks, it is justice to give these attorneys back what they're giving us because it's the attorneys who are doing all of it to us. It's the American Bar Association, a private fraternity that is an association now. They're not even a corporation. Yeah, I know. They're an association. Okay, that means they're private, totally private, and they have hijacked our judiciary, and it's high time that we give back. uh, You know, it's it's, it's only fair that we give back some of the crap they put on us, and so... Make sure, though, this is important. Make sure you don't tell anybody you're going to do this until sentencing, because if you put some kind of paperwork in there that you're going to do it, to, the attorney will drop you like a hot potato and leave you standing, you know, holding your your, your tally whacker. You know, yeah. you'll have to take the sentence, right? You don't yeah. want to do that. You don't do that well, ahead of time. You don't tell anybody.
0: Well, the only thing I, the, you know, I don't know to agree or disagree, but I do know this. If mm-hmm. you go through a whole court case and you're there at the sentencing, you got uh-huh. nothing to lose to try it. Exactly. That's what I try yeah. to tell people it's a last-ditch chance. If your paperwork
5: does not work, or let's say you're too you're it's, it's, uh, you're you're not up on the law very well and so can't do it like some of us can. I mean, I could I could go in myself and probably win my case all <laughs> every time. <laughs> excuse me you know on other matters I wouldn't have to worry about that but just in case something yeah. doesn't work out then you've got that as an ace in a hole and and let me tell you the concept is absolutely 100% solid if you'll go read anything about power of attorney go read the, the, the background uh, information on power of attorney power of attorney is he's an agent That you can, and you're the beneficiary now. Remember that if you've got him as a private attorney, you're the beneficiary of the whole thing. And so, so you can you have the power as the beneficiary to tell that attorney what you want him to do. I mean, you've heard that before. That the attorney, I even had, they even had that that uh, uh, DA attorney when I went in the first time to meet him. He said, Mister Fife. He said, the the only question I got to ask you is, uh, what would you like to do with this case? And I looked at him like, you know, with unbelievable credulity, and I said, Mr. Attorney, you're the attorney. Don't you have an idea? You know, because I figured it was his deal. But what he was doing was he was serving me as the beneficiary. That's why he said that, okay? And so that's why you have to realize that's the only place that the attorneys have left a hole for us to to fall through, and and they always get real lovey-dovey with you, their clients and everything, so that nothing like that would ever happen. See, they don't, they don't, you know, when you get crossways, they don't ever get crossways with you. They try to make sure everything is hunky-dory all the time because you might you might accidentally figure this out because it's yeah. not really that complicated. It's not that complicated at all.
0: Well, Ed, I really appreciate. It. I'm going to cut you off because we got to go. But okay. I really appreciate that information, yeah. and uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think it's you know, like I said, you you got nothing to lose at the time of standing in front of the judge, waiting for him to give you that's five right. years or whatever. That's right. Uh, that's right. So sure. okay. Anyway, well, the thank last you. Thing you the last thing
5: I want to tell you. Last thing I want to tell you is tonight I have a program uh, right real soon at eight o'clock. And we're going to be talking about the issue, We're reading a case called the Chinese exclusionary uh, case uh, of 1898, I think it is. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, immigration and deportation in the case. And there's some really good stuff in this case, I'm telling you. There is some dynamite in this case. And so we're going to go over tonight. So if anybody wants to join us, uh, come on over to 90413, um, pin number. 90413.
0: Yeah, Data just yeah. put it in there. Well, thank okay. you very much, Ed. I appreciate You're you welcome. taking the time and giving that information.
5: Sure, not a problem. Not a problem. Everybody needs to know this stuff because well, I'm so mad at these attorneys for what they've done to us in this country that I'll do anything. I don't care. I can go out on the street and scream this at the top of my lungs just so that the attorneys will get a little bit of their own medicine back. See?
0: I hear you. I hear you. Okay. okay. Well, Thank you, thank you. All right, gentlemen uh, and ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Um, nobody else has got their hand raised. I don't see. Let's see. Guest four says, uh, 1947. The Taft-Hartley Labor Act declared the closed shop illegal, and union shops were also prohibited. I am prohibited from practicing law because I am not in the bar. Uh, I have a point. Go ahead. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Um, Now, right or wrong,
1: there's a particular dynamic of what Ed just proposed uh, that I'd like to point out. This particular juncture he pointed to is when all else has been lost. You've got nothing at all to lose by doing what he just proposed. Because if you're all the way up to sentencing, everything's been done. They've already denied your motions. They, they've they doubled down on their plan to get you and your property. And there's nothing really more you can do. You are risking nothing by doing what he just proposed. Uh, I have a feeling that a couple things about it are, are uh, uh, pretty much theory and really the... Uh, the point behind anything such as he proposes has to take the shape of docket numbers, testimonials from people who have had it work instead of just uh, uh, folk tales. And so you really have to have docket numbers, uh, recorded interview of somebody that used this and walked out of court uh, with the case having been dismissed even though they're ready to accept sentencing uh, or go to sentencing. So always demand proof but the particular place where what he had to say takes uh, or occurs is at the end of everything. You've already done everything you can to the government. If you follow what I follow, you've already already, uh, uh, filed your criminal complaints. You've already hit them with motions to dismiss. Uh, You've already gone on the offense. You've done as much as you can. And if you find yourself at sentencing... I would never tell you not to wage a certain argument unless it's previous or prior to this and it would stand in the way of you staying inside the box to do what I do. So everything the patriot movement does is before you get to work on the law, when they force you into the box, that's when you're going to need my tools, but when you're exiting the box, you're at sentencing and you tried everything in the box. Step outside the box again. Sure, try what Ed just outlined. Um, it's it's a convenient uh, time and place to experiment. If you don't know exactly what's going to go down, if you tried something like this, you got nothing to lose if they've taken you all the way to sentencing. Okay, Chris. Yeah, this call is recorded, RP.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for coming to the Wednesday night show, and uh, and as always, uh, may the good news be yours, as uh, Cronklin used to say, I guess. And uh, I'll see you all later. God bless America, and this call is officially over. Thank you.